Gospel Power and Life, second week speaking about this. Uh, Last week I was reminding us that Jesus, as victor over death itself, offers kingdom life to whoever wants it. Thank God. We can have friendship with God. And I was looking primarily at what that impact is for us. That God loves to take broken, lost, dead, hopeless lives. I was one of those. And situations and bring them to life. This is the very heart and the nature of the gospel. The resurrection truth of God. And, but today I want to, well, I was talking about it for us last week. But today I want to, I guess, imagine and dream a little bit on the impact beyond us. Beyond those of us sitting in these four walls. You see, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, we are bringers of this resurrection life into our ordinary world. And I think this is one of those perpetual challenges of faith that we need to keep prompting and reminding of ourselves. It's right that we pray for God's presence to be here in church with us this morning. But the truth is, as temples of the Holy Spirit, you are bringers of God's presence. He dwells within you and he dwells within me if we have trusted him. And of course, the currency of bringing this resurrection life into the different situations and circumstances we find ourselves is the currency of faith. Do we trust God to do this in us and through us? I guess what I'm hoping to do is increase and stir our faith on a morning like this morning. Are we actively trusting him to be at work in the lives of those around us? Are we believing that we are one of those people that God uses to bring life where there's death? I remember a few years ago, a good number of years ago, the kids were young and we knew somebody who'd got themselves into a really chaotic situation in life, just like a really mess after mess you know the spiral had gone down and down and down and anyway one evening this person needed to stay at our house the kids were young and I remember speaking to them and saying uh, okay you need to empty your pockets because is the needles in there are you doing drugs you know it's this level of chaos we were dealing with and I said I need to I need to check because there's kids in the house and all that sort of stuff and this person stayed with us and and you think gosh what on earth am I doing in this world you know I didn't know this was my world and as we went to bed that night I reflected and thought but if I'm a follower of Jesus and Jesus just cares for people that are totally lost isn't it just patently obvious that at points in my life there'll be intersections in my following of Jesus that he will put me in circumstances that are way outside of my comfort zone way outside of my experience but because Jesus is there I'm going to be there Surely that's obvious. Because he wanted me in that situation or us in that situation to offer life to a person who was living in a really tragic darkness. Uh, I was, uh, this week, you know, our work with the King's Village, really delighted to find out. So we've been in discussions with Nottingham University Hospitals for about six months now. Remarkable story, a chance conversation with Joe Hackney and the head of global networks at NUH hospitals 
and she just got talking about the king's village and they say okay we're looking for another global partner she wasn't even meant to be at the meeting she didn't know the person anyway a conversation ensues she passed me over the details and so for the last about six months we've been in discussions with them and uh, with the strong intention of the King's Village Ghana being a global partner of Nottingham University Hospitals. And this week we hear that a £50,000 grant has been given by the government to help cement this partnership. So some of, some of the Nottingham University people are going to go and visit the King's Village uh, Hospitals. Some of the staff at the uh, King's Village are going to come over here and be working. Some of you will remember, maybe... That's a strong statement because I said it in a sermon. But I, I remember saying to you when I took on the project of overseeing this charity that I believed God was going to put me in situations where I'd be asking people to give 10 grand towards the King's Village. Every 15 pound counts, it's just as valuable. But with the need that out there, I just knew that I needed to grow my faith. I'm not used to people giving us 10,000 pounds. You know, that's not the world I work in. Well, this year, this week, I can report £50,000 has been given towards this work. You see, we have to challenge our own faith because we have a God. In this situation of the King's Village, this will literally save lives. Literally save lives. With the expertise, the skills, the management training that comes, the doors of opportunity that will arise. We should find ourselves at this juxtaposition that's incredibly uncomfortable, way beyond us, more than we can imagine. But God wants to place us in those situations, in the ordinariness of our life, to say, you're one of those people. I want to bring life. So let's look at one of the stories that I absolutely love. So Lazarus, with his sisters, Mary and Martha, he'd been dead for four days okay dead 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 you know he'd been in the tomb four days it's not one of the ambiguous things he was as dead as dead gets and so people are sad totally hopeless situation let me break in at john 11:23 jesus said to her speaking to martha your brother will rise again martha answered i know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day jesus said to her I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Anyway, then uh, Mary, Martha's sister, she then has a discussion with Jesus and said, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. If only he'd have got here earlier. Some of the crowd are saying, can't the guy who opens blind eyes, couldn't have he have stopped Lazarus from dying? You see, there's a difference between believing what God in a general sense is able to do. I think there's even a difference in believing that hey, I've got eternity in my heart and I'm going to heaven, than actually believing God wants to do it right here, right now, through the likes of me and you. So the story carries on. There's lots of grief. Jesus weeps in the midst of this story. Lots could be said about that. God hates death. But anyway, verse 40, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? 
So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. We find in that passage the most profound statement. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Right here, right now, I'm the resurrection of the here and life, uh, resurrection and life. The message puts it this way. You don't have to wait till the end. We're not waiting till we enter glory for this to be true. I am right now resurrection and life. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff if we imbibe this into our faith journey. Expectancy is increased when God is in the room. When Jesus is on the move. Fascinating as we look back on 2023, certainly in an eagle's nest context, a year of church being reformed. Thank God. But there is a sense in our hearts that the status quo isn't okay. And as we look around at what the Lord is doing, even across our nation, there are some signs that God is on the move. Again, I hear stories about his presence visiting churches in more dynamic ways than they'd known before. We've just started really simply at 9.45 every Sunday, just in the corridor there, just praying for our church, just for our gatherings on a Sunday. But part of why I'm not keen that we're doing that is I'm saying, Lord, if it's true that you're on the move, which I believe it is, don't miss us out, will you? Don't bypass us. So you're welcome to join us. Anybody who's free at 9.45 on Sunday mornings just for 15 minutes. Just come and join us to pray. Our empty space worship last Sunday, fascinating again, 29, 30 people in the room, 10 different churches. Simply a hunger for God to be at work. That's all we're doing. We're just finding a space for our hunger to grow. And say, God, don't miss us out. City prayer this week, fascinating. 250 people praying for our city, probably from 50 churches. A lady wrote to us afterwards. She had a vision. Oh, it might have been a man, actually. I don't know why I said a lady. It might be vision. I think of visions of women, maybe. Or maybe it was a man, I don't know. I saw, a white, I saw white stallions galloping across the sky and drawing a harrow behind them. She, she writes, let's say it's a she, as you probably know a harrow, I don't know what a harrow is, I've got no idea what a harrow is, is a frame with metal teeth for breaking up clods of earth used after ploughing, breaking up the earth at depth to create smooth soil for sowing seed. My sense was of acceleration of the breaking up of hard ground having been done and a time of sowing and harvest seems to me as though God is knocking on the door of the church in Nottingham and say, I'm on the move. Who's part of this? 
Jonathan Edwards, the revivalist from a few hundred years ago, talked about revival as an acceleration and intensification of the normal work of the Holy Spirit. I like that definition, an acceleration and intensification of the normal work of the Holy Spirit. The sense of which of, gosh, we thank God for his presence. Gosh, we believe God has answered prayers in our midst. We believe God has done stuff. But we find a yearning within our heart, not just for a reforming of church, but a renewing of church, where we say, Lord, we, we hear of you doing it over there. We've spotted your movement there, Lord. Gosh, may your resurrection life, a renewing of our church, be part of what you're doing at this time. As we know as believers, when you get him, when you worship him, when you glorify him, when you read the word, when you worship together, when the gospel is preached, you sense the presence of God and revival is just more of that. Revival is just greater things and God can always surprise us and do greater things in our lives when we least expect it. Will you join me in the prayer of Lord, we're expecting you to do more. We're expecting you to shake the status quo. We're believing you to be at work because you are the resurrection God. Both of my kids were born in the 1990s, mid-1990s. I'm just really alert. We saw God move, not in revival nature, but quite significantly across the church in the late 80s and early 90s. Real renewal of a lot of churches, an explosion of growth of a lot of churches. We as a church were birthed out of that era, I would argue. I remember the church that I went to, I've told you about it before. Every week, more and more chairs being put out around. It was in a school hall, more and more, lots of people coming to the Lord. My kids have never seen a season like this. They've just never seen it. They've seen times of church growth, God bless. They know God and they know his presence, thank God. But what I'm talking about something now is when the Spirit of God gets us and shakes us and said more. So even if you're not sure about this, let's pray for our next generation. May our kids see this and know this. See an intensification of the Spirit of God that they cannot ignore. See something that transforms not only their personal lives, but their vision of what God maybe just can do. What I'm hearing is God is moving amongst that generation quite significantly. Because of the demographic of our church, we don't have many 20s, you know, no students in our group here. We tend to be pre-18 and then 30 plus people come back. That's always just the way it is. I find myself praying, don't miss us out, Lord. I don't want it just for them. I'm hungering and thirsting for his presence for me. More, Lord. One Samuel one, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Thank God for our church and our healthy church. I love the fellowship and the friendship we've got here. Thank God for it. Genuinely, we could we could lock the doors and we're okay. We can worship, we can pray, we can pray for one another. God is good. But that isn't the state of our nation in the context of its spiritual temperature. 
with four or five percent people attending church. Much of the country, there might be just one percent in whole areas just attending church. The word of the Lord is rare in our nation. The lamp of God had not gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel. It's fascinating when you read some of church history and when God has broken in afresh again. It's often when things have been incredibly dark. And God says it can't stay like this much longer. It's fascinating in the prayer that Jesus prayed. He said, Lord, I know you can hear me. You always hear me. But I'm praying this aloud. As he called Lazarus out of the tomb, he says, I'm praying this aloud for the benefit of the others. It's fascinating the tomb that Jesus himself walked out of on Easter Sunday that the stone was rolled away. Now we know from the other resurrection stories that Jesus walked through walls and locked doors and stuff. So the stone didn't need to be rolled away for Jesus to get out of the tomb. I know we like that as a mindset and we'll preach that. We don't know how Jesus came out of the tomb. But it's clear why the stone was rolled away. It's so others could take a look in and see if the body was there. Jesus prays aloud at this moment and says, I don't need to pray aloud, I'm doing it for the benefit of the others. What on earth is all that about? Well, it's quite clear. Hey, skeptics, you're welcome. You who aren't sure, come and join this faith journey. You, you who just not sure what you believe, you're welcome to the party as well. Come and see that God is a resurrection God. Again, I, I remember taking loads of friends to church when we were students. And there was one occasion a group of friends went and they weren't Christians and stuff. And the guy was speaking on revival. Uh, and he was talking about weeping in the river of revival. He was talking about God getting hold of the church's heart and weeping in the river of revival. All the friends we had there, they weren't believers at all. And so like, this is, this is lost on them. And I'm going to tell you now what they said. Forgive me if this offends you, but I just want you to know there's a depth of real, reality to where I'm coming from this morning. They said, talking about it afterwards, because we're saying, how was church? How does that work? And they said, I don't know about that, that river of revival stuff. I've never, you know, I've never heard language like that. And they said, I'm certainly not weeping in the river of revival. I wouldn't piss in the river of revival, but I ain't weeping in it. That's what they said. That was their reflection of church. I've not lost my mind. I'm telling you, these are the people that, that were formed around my faith. God doesn't hate them for that. I'm not make, the point I'm making is I'm not lost on some mysterious, ethereal cloud of wonderful blessing. I'm talking in the reality of life, in the culture in which we find ourselves, where many doors are closed to God, where we find ourselves where people don't talk about God much. I'm saying, God... Thank God you've placed me here. I feel called here. I feel called now. I feel to like I want to be those presence carriers of God in this culture and environment. I feel I'm born for this. I believe as a church we're created for this. I believe we can bridge the gap with people that say, I don't want anything to do with God. And yet here's us saying he's offering you resurrection life. This is why we're here. Death stinks. The odour was terrible. The sadness, the confusion, 
the total ending of life. Jesus hates death. God's plan for the church isn't terminal decline. Death speaks of pain, of hopelessness, darkness, endings, the ending of all endings. And, and God would, I believe, look at our culture with so many people not knowing him and say, I hate the stench of death, but it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Fascinating. Uh, so uh, those of you that know Diane, she's been in hospital this week, but is out of hospital. Colin's with her this morning, and she's recovering well from a fall this week. And, and we thank God for that, but, but uh, be praying for her. You know, Diane was here on our very first Sunday as church all those years ago, and is uh, like mom of the church in that sense. And so, you know, we've been praying for her hard that she'd recover quickly, but might need some extra care, so it's complicated. Anyway, so you're in A&E. And I find A&E a fascinating place to be. Such sadness in every booth. Just long faces, and rightly so, there's pain and there's confusion and there's waiting. And now, these days, of course, there's, there's, by the workstations, it's full of trolleys. And so there's pain in the open areas these days. Then there's pain in the corridor when you get in there because it's backed up. It's just the way it is these days. Totally tragic. Just like death spilling out into the very corridors itself. And then in the midst of it all, you have a lot of staff, many of them young, full of life and vibrancy. And if you catch them, they're very sensitive and, you know, they're not, uh, whatever, they wouldn't do it. But you sometimes see them sharing a joke. And you see the rapid movement of the staff compared to the people that are often lying or trying to get to the toilet and stuff. And even the flirtation that goes on between the staff. You get this, this real clarity of like near death and total life. Those bringing life and those that are just hanging on to life. And it's all going on in the same space. And God would say to us as the church, be full of God's life. Be full of God's energy. Be full of God's vibrancy. Be full of, be full of me so that you can be one of those people that ministers to those that without that ministering surely will not find eternal life. Jesus makes the point, I come to bring life, not death. And it's a really stark choice. Expectancy is contagious. Being around people of encouragement and faith causes my faith and your faith to grow. Our hope isn't that we will like be some sort of white-knuckle Christians that just about make it to our deathbed. You know, just hanging on, clinging on to our faith, very last minute sort of thing. My prayer and my hope for us is that we will be a people full of faith. Believing God to do great things because I've stirred your heart and you've stirred my heart. And together we believe even more from God. I don't want us to be a church that just hangs on. I want us to be a church that's advancing. We know, we knew it before the pandemic. But if you want to stop contagion, you separate people. But gosh, do we know it now more clearly. If you want to stop the contagion of something, the transmission of something, if you want to stop something catching off one another, you just make, people, make sure people are a few metres apart and don't see each other very much. Church has got to be a, a communion of believers 
It's got to be a community of believers because it's one of the ways in which I don't know why it doesn't work that just praying on my own, why can't my faith reach its max levels praying on my own? I don't know, but that isn't the way it works. It's by being with one another, worshipping with one another, sharing relationship with one another. It's how my faith and your faith will grow. I'm so passionate about our hubs. Truly am. Because I believe they grow our faith. You catch something. And maybe you're in a hub with difficult people. And maybe you're the difficult person. So even if they're not growing your faith, they're going to grow you as a person. Because it will do your character the world of good. But again, I find ourselves even praying this morning just outside for a few moments. And I find my faith rising again. That God is on the move. And he's not forgotten about us. Take the grave's clothes off, Jesus says. As Lazarus walked out the tomb, Jesus was making this massive point. You know, marriages can work that were what seemed dead. People can be repaired by his grace. Addictions aren't the end. Sickness can be defeated because it's all wrapped up in Jesus conquering death. And he says, take off the grave clothes. You've received new life. Now live free. Again, it's one of those things. It says his feet and hands were bound. Did he shuffle out of the grave? Did he bound out with his feet together? It's like almost a comical mindset, isn't it? Did he maggot his way out of the grave? I don't know, don't know quite how it works. I could imagine it being awkward. Do you help him or do you not help him? You know, it's like, it's like looking to Jesus. Does that work like that? Do I have to go and help him now? Or has he become like some sort of mus- uh, magician like Houdini who can now get out of grave clothes as well now? He's risen from the dead. People must have been just perplexed with the situation that was going on. But the key is the grave clothes needed to come off. Let's not live as though we're dead once we've met him. To the Jews who had believed, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We want to be people that are, are people that are living in the freedom that God has given us. Not as the world understands, but I believe living in the freedom and the liberty is one of the ways that we carry this presence and reality of God, the hope of God to others. Hold, it says, to my teaching. Keep holding, abide in my teaching. Stay in my teaching. Continue in the word as the word continues in you. One of the reasons we chose the scripture icon, the third one along on our things for this year, is The word of God is what we need to cling to. The word of God needs to live in us as we live in the word. The word of God is the thing that will cause faith to grow within us. May we be a church that's anchored to the word of God. So we start by holding to his teachings. We live in freedom by holding to the teachings of God. As we reject the teachings of God, we find ourselves, even if we've become Christians, living with grave clothes on. The stench of death. Living like we used to live. Whereas he says, live in freedom. No experience God. The three things it's talking about in this verse is to hold, to know, and to be free. To know, to experience God. To put ourselves in a place and a position to keep experiencing him. I remember 
again, in my days traveling around in the UK before I did the overseas travel, there was a lady at uh, the Christian Center who had a room full of Christian sermons, just like literally hundreds and hundreds of sermons. And so she'd got them from all the great teachings that were going around. She'd been to loads of conferences. Jean Mercer, some of you will remember her. And so uh, she'd give me two tapes uh, to listen to, two sermons is what she'd give me to listen to until she trusted me. And so I'd be driving around and I'd be listening to these tapes. It could be Terry Virgo, it could be John Wimber, and I'd listen to them for the week over and over. And then eventually she trusted me and would give me a whole load to last me through the week. I would say that was my Bible college. You see, the word of God got into me. And I believe I got into the word of God. And I believe it transformed me. But often I'd be listening to these tapes. And the presence of God had filled the car with me. I wasn't just learning in my head. I was knowing it. And then I believe we live free people. A continual process. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from fear. Freedom from shame. But just as importantly, freedom for stuff. Freedom for faith. Freedom for hope. Freedom for love. Freedom to live for God. Not in this in-between land of where I've been resurrected. I'm a born-again Christian but I'm wandering around this world with my grave clothes on. It's freedom was God's purpose. If the church, if this band want to come back. I say again this morning, I and we are going to be a church that holds to the teachings of God, abide in them, know his word and live free. We're free to live for God. Final slide, thank you, Julian. I saw this ancient prayer, 500 years old. Well, it's a statement that I made into a prayer of my own heart this week. From the Heidelberg Catechism. In one of those times, like we've seen throughout church history, when God has been on the move again, the people of God have just awoken to something. And they wrote this in the Heidelberg Catechism 500 years ago. That I, not being my own, but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful saviour Jesus Christ he has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil he also watches over me in such a way that not an, a hair can fall from my head without the will of my father in heaven in fact all things must work together for my salvation because I belong to him. Christ, by the Holy Spirit, assures me of my eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. 500 years ago, somebody wrote that. We're going to continue to worship this morning and then we're going to pray a little bit together, those of you comfortable praying aloud. And we're praying very clearly, God, don't forget us. God, shake the status quo up in our lives so that we can be carriers of your presence out there. Let's stand together.